Let's pray. Gracious God, on this rainy day, open our hearts and minds to dwell in your word and to hear your word, to receive it, to be touched by your presence. Amen. In our passage from 1 John today, that Cheryl read earlier, we find a paradox, don't we? If we are to walk in the light, we must turn to the darkness, our own darkness specifically. The writer of John makes it quite clear that walking and living in the light means or perhaps I should say begins by being honest and authentic about who you are. And no matter who you are, you struggle with sin, brokenness, and darkness. So it is best to come clean with this. You cannot fake out God, and we'd best not fake out our loved and trusted ones either. And yet, we all develop ways of faking each other out. I suppose every one of us has quite a bit of con in them. You know, pretending to be innocent and pure or one thing when you're not really that thing. In that spirit, I feel I must make a confession to you this morning. When I was growing up, I threw water balloons at passing cars. No, it's true. I don't know why, really. I, I had a happy childhood. My parents loved me. But at some point, I was led astray by water balloons. Now, it's only fair to point out that this never harmed anyone's car, but you'd never know it from the reaction of most drivers. In fairness to them, they literally didn't know what hit them, so they'd go nuts every time, which was precisely the fun of it. They'd slam on their brakes and get out of their car and come tearing after us. Now, it's pretty hard to catch a bunch of punks in their own neighborhood, but we still, we still ran with the fear of God anyway because we knew what it was like uh, to get caught. If they were in high school or college, we knew they'd probably beat the tar out of us. If they were young adults, we'd get a long, stern lecture. But if they were our parents' age, that was probably the worst, because we knew they were in consort with our parents and would therefore bring us to our parents. Risks abounded. One day, we got set, we threw the balloons, hit the target, and uh-oh, car full of teenage guys. You know, and we were uh, 10 years old, something like that at the time. We ran quickly, and, and we heard uh, four car doors slam behind us. We ran harder. <laughs> then I had, a, I had a devious thought. They're only going to run after me if I'm running away. And since they haven't seen me yet, they don't yet know who I am. Now, if I just double back towards the car that is now pulled over and parked, and casually just walk right by these guys as they figure out where we are, 
they'll never suspect me. Why would the offender ever walk right back up to the offended, right? I'll just uh, leave John Strum and the rascal behind the hedge and put on my Sunday best real quick. So that is what I did. I walked back to the car we hit, and, and sure enough, while some of them were chasing on foot, I, I ran into two guys who were, were hanging around the car, uh, kind of checking out the, the area, looking around. They seemed to be making snarling noises of some sort. As I approached, uh, whistling a nervous little tune, they looked at me and they said, Hey, have you, see, have you seen any kids running around? No, I haven't. Why? Is something wrong? Well, somebody is throwing stuff at our car. Really? I, I, I don't know anyone around here who would do that. Now, how they failed to pick up on my smugness, uh, I'll never know, but I wished them good luck and kept walking right into the safety of my home. I never did see my friends again. <laughs> so the reason I tell you this story is <laughs> because oftentimes people do this with church and perhaps life. We all know church is supposed to be for good people. Are you a church-going type? It means you're a good person, right? So if I'm not actually good <laughs> or good enough, I better look the part anyway, act like I belong, put on my Sunday best, as the old saying used to be. Eventually, I may actually believe this nonsense, thinking I'm, I'm pretty good after all. Definitely better than him or her, the people that definitely shouldn't be here. <laughs> the writer of John, 1 John, says this kind of self-deception is not only unhealthy, but a sure sign that we are not walking in the light. Because the light, you see, is not merely good deeds and good living, which is what we might immediately suppose. This light is the grace and mercy of Christ in which we are invited to dwell. And we can only walk in this light when we are honest about our true nature and, yes, all the ways that we are compromised. The battles in here that sometimes spill out here. You know the verse, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Besides hearing that in the verses that Cheryl just read, have you ever heard that before? Sound familiar? Yes. It's one of the confessions in our liturgy, of course. That's what the church is. Forgiven sinners who keep needing forgiveness and have to keep coming back. But wait, don't we try not to sin? Of course, of course. As baptized believers in Christ, we are reborn and called to love God and neighbor. Absolutely. And yet, as we all know when we're honest with ourselves, our broken self in this world clings stubbornly to each one of us in this world. Does any of us hit the mark that God intends for us? No, not one. Just read the book of Romans. 
Christian or not, no one hits the mark. Being a Christian is learning to be real about how compromised we are and then to depend on the, on the grace and the restoration of a loving God. This is how, in fact, we can actually become better people. Actually, really. And it always comes out of gratitude, thankfulness that we are loved, forgiven, and surrounded by grace. A grace upon which we are utterly dependent for life and for future. Now those who say they really have it figured out and no longer have sin, well, you heard it from our text, the truth is not in them. <laughs> They're playing a con game. They no longer need God because they think they've got the instructions they need and they've kind of mastered things, which is how a lot of people see religion. I've often said that one of the most malignant forms of evil in this world is self-righteousness. When people believe they have all the answers, they're better than everyone else, um, they're like me with uh, the water balloon incident, except much more dangerous. They actually believe their innocence, so thorough is their delusion. This typically needs, leads not to a loving spirit, as our God commands, but rather, invariably, it's a mean one, a judging one. And for people like this, other, others become abominations, animals, other unfortunate names, love, goes out the window. And so, yes, we are sinners and will continue to be, truth be told. And more than that, we're, we're hypocrites too. That too is a part of our confession. My mentor and teacher at Luther Seminary, Pat Kiefer, once had a conversation with his cynical, agnostic grandfather. His grandfather was grousing about church folks, how, uh, how all they were was uh, a bunch of hypocrites. We, we, you've heard that before from people, right? We, we felt that way, like, man. We might point our finger at other churches. Where Pat then said in response, you know what the only difference is between them and you, Grandpa? They're hypocrites and they know it. What kind of a thing is that to say to your grandpa, huh? Well, it's the right thing, it turns out. Now, of course, hypocrisy is a bad thing, and we all need to guard against hypocrisy whenever possible. Walk the walk, right? But we will not succeed fully or even close because even as Christians, the same standards that any of us impose on others, we invariably will tolerate, right? <laughs> This, too, is what we need to confess. Who are we kidding? Now, it cannot be lost in Pat's comment that when non-church folk like to get high and mighty about how non-hypocritical they are, well, that's a load of you-know-what, too. This world, as we experience it, without church or without God, is even more merciless and unforgiving than we can conjure up here in our worst moments because all you have then is judgment without grace where so many struggle out there with shame for not measuring up, where people are mercilessly put down for any inadequacy, where things are held against you with no forgiveness. 
make no mistake, this world without God and without grace crushes the life out of any of us. I mean, just look at what social media and cyberbullying does to people. Just one example. Which leads me to this point. Where in this world can you be real about yourself? In a world that is as harsh and judgmental as it is, where can you be real, be yourself, warts and all, as they like to say? On our Facebook page, I posted a a wise saying by Abigail Van Buren. It goes like this. A church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Or not a place where the winners gather and the righteous, and the acceptable. Choose your metaphor. The key one is a hospital for sinners. One could add here that church is also a hospital for those who are sinned against. Part of our brokenness is indeed not of our making, but because we've been hurt by the actions or neglect of others, right? The bottom line is we are broken. So how... How do we do on that count here at Mount Carmel if we are ultimately in Christ called to be a hospital for sinners? Is this safe? Is this church, is this community a safe place to be yourself, warts, struggles, and all? My guess is that for at least many of you, you wouldn't be here unless you felt like, I can be who I am here. This is a place where I'm accepted for who I am. I think that's probably true. Don't you agree with me? And this is part of what Luther meant when he held up the importance, and here it is again, one of my Pastor John's favorite phrases, the mutual conversation and consolation of the saints. Sharing struggles, supporting burdens for one another, talking things through. It means developing relationships with each other that dare to have vulnerability and authenticity, just as we are called to come before God on Sunday morning and to be vulnerable and authentic. No games. I can tell you, most churches struggle with this one and are often more museum or club for the worthy than they are hospital for the broken. I can't tell you how many times Members of churches I've served have left the church because they were broken and thought there was no longer a place for them at the church because they were too broken and no longer belonged. The church, of course, is supposed to be a place where good people go who have their, you know, their act together. So, when your son has trouble with the law, well, I can't show up in church now. What will people say? What will they think? They'll ask me about it and there will be shame. Or when you are divorced. How many times have we seen that? One or both out the door. Or someone goes through treatment. Well, the list could go on. When these things happen, people typically, far too often, 
feel shame to go to church because they feel they are no longer worthy. You think Jesus sheds a tear over that one? Yeah, probably buckets of tears. The truth is, no one of us is worthy, but every one of us has immeasurable worth to God. You see the difference? Worthiness is what we prove, it's what we do. Worth is how much we are loved. And so, this is or should be a place where broken lives can be supported, encouraged, put back together again. As it says in the Psalms about God, a a bruised reed he will not break. In many ways, the AA group that meets here is more church than many church events and churches across America. Nothing is more church, perhaps, in some ways. Why? Because AA is a hospital for sinners who own up to this fearlessly and open themselves to a higher power. Hey, we've all thrown water balloons of mischief in this life and then hid behind the veneer of innocence, right? No need to play that game here, ever. This is a hospital for sinners. That's you and that's me. How can we make sure that we know it and remind each other of it? How can we make sure people out there know it as well? How can we fully invite people into this safe space to be themselves and encounter the God, the God of forgiveness and the God of new beginnings? Amen.